0: This is Queen Fatima, and I want all the listeners of the late night fright to know that Bobby's disrespect will not go unpunished. I have cursed him, and I will curse you all, Cozy Corner, if Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright, does not make amends.
1: <laughs> hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Batman. Interrupting Batman. I'm Batman. (laughs) Wait, you you thought that one was funny?
2: Oh, no. I was looking at a cute puppy video on my phone. Boo. The late night fright begins now.
1: Only on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. Listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. It's the Witching Hour. Time for the international sensation, The Late Night Fright, with your hosts, Dan and Faith. Welcome to the Late Night Fright. I am your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is my lovely and talented co-host, the owner of the Cozy Cafe, everyone's favorite barista, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm
1: doing pretty good. I think we've had a pretty good week.
2: I think so, too.
1: You know, we had a pretty good day, too. Yes, we indeed. just spent the afternoon watching the Cozy Corner Cauldrons, our minor league affiliate play, and guess who we saw at the game? Faith, do you want to tell him?
2: You go ahead and tell him.
1: We saw Dusty Baker. I know that might not mean much to some of you out there, but look him up. One of the all-time greats, great manager. We We saw him at the ballpark, and got to shake his hand and say hello so i'd say it was a it was a pretty good day also we have been sitting in the sun all day which means we might be a little loopy tonight (laughs) so just a little bit but we are going to make it first and foremost i want to thank everyone out there for listening on behalf of myself and my awesome co-host thank you for listening to us you know faith We have listeners in Australia now.
2: I know. That's so exciting. We
1: have listeners in the UK. I know. We have listeners in New Hampshire, Minnesota, Michigan. For all of you people out there, if you're out there listening, catching this, hearing us, send us a message. Send us a message that you can find the link uh, where you're listening to this at, wherever that is. The link is posted. Uh, Send us a message. We would love to hear from you. And, A little bit of business before uh, we get into the show tonight. Um, We're going to go ahead and we keep this show free. This is a free show. This will always be a free show. The only thing we're going to ask from you is if you'll give us a rating. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Hey, if you don't like the show, give us a rate. We want to hear good and bad. We want to hear it all. Faith, what do you think?
2: I totally agree with you. I want to hear people's opinions.
1: So send us a line. Give us a review. That's that's it. That's all we're going to ask of you tonight. Yep. I think we have a pretty good show tonight. Faith, what do you think?
2: I think so, too. This is exciting.
1: Would you like to tell them what we watched?
2: Yeah, we watched Batman Returns.
1: Batman Returns, the 1992 Tim Burton movie starring Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Christopher Walken. What did you think of it, Faith?
2: Oh, it's amazing.
1: I Brilliant. love it. I absolutely love it. I know there's a lot of people out there who are on the fence with this movie. So if you are still with us after we just said that we both adore this movie, <laughs> st- stick with us. We uh, hope Hopefully we can give you an alternative opinion. Uh, as to what this movie is and what's it about. But uh, anyway, getting back to the business here, we've had a pretty slow week. You know, we still have the gate to hell that's open. But you had a really interesting experience at the Cozy Cafe, and I think you need to share this with everyone.
2: Yeah, you know, I've been having a pretty quiet week. Not a lot of weird feelings or hearing things, but I believe I have a pervy ghost.
1: Now... In case this is your first show, a few weeks ago, we had some heavy psychokinetic activity. And mm-hmm. you had a ghost that took up residence in the men's bathroom. Is that yes, correct? That's now, correct. is that ghost still with you?
2: I'm not sure. I haven't really felt its presence too much. So
1: this could be a completely different ghost. This might ghost. be
2: something else.
1: And please tell the listeners, because people, she told me this before we went on the air. And did I laughed a little. You did. I was, I was laughing with you, not, not at you. So right. please yes. please tell them what happened.
2: Yeah, so every day when I'm at work, my bra becomes unhooked. And I think it's a pervy ghost. And it only happens at work. Nowhere else.
1: Does it happen at the same time every day?
2: Yeah, and it's like in the same spot that I'm standing. So... I'm standing at the counter.
1: You're being stalked.
2: Yeah. yeah. Pervy now,
1: is. we're not making light of stalking but you have a spirit stalker. Oh yeah. We're going to have to do some investigation into this. No, no. I I I think my future show we will do a, a, an investigation or get the uh Goat Avengers possibly. You know, there they you have go. a new yeah. show here on WKMF and uh their promo ran last week. We might have another one this week. I think uh so we're going to run that. But um in case you weren't paying attention, you know, we had our, our usual intro, but we also had, we played a message at the beginning of the show, a message we got on our answering machine here. And it's very dark, and it's from, I want to tell you who that was. That is a woman named Queen, what is her last name, Faith? Queen. Fatima. Fatima. Mm-hmm. Queen Fatima and Queen Fatima is the wife of our mayor, Mayor Lucius Morningstar, here. And she is also a member of the Cozy Corner Society of Dark Wizards, or faith is it the Dark Wizard Society of Cozy Corner?
2: I don't even I, know.
1: I get them confused. She is very powerful, though, but they had an exhibit. At the Cozy Corner Museum of some very dark art that these uh dark wizards had, had done. Some of it, did you see any of it? I did. It was some of it was quite quite striking. It, it was. was beautiful stuff. But um our good friend Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright, he was the MC for this. He was the biggest name that they could get. Now we're pretty Big names here in Cozy Corner. Now, we don't have our own booth at Hooters like Bobby does. Right. <laughs> uh, by the way, Hooters this evening was delicious, Very don't you good. think? Yes. But uh, Bobby was the celebrity MC at this event honoring all of this art. And when he presented Queen Fatima, that's her name, Fatima, mm-hmm. he, put it lightly, he, he made a little boo boo. It was a social faux pas, wouldn't you say? Wow. Mm hmm. His words got tied around. Do you want to tell them Queen Fatima came out?
2: I think he said Queef Natima.
1: Queef Natima. Hmm. And our good friend Bobby, he was nervous and did not realize the social faux pas that he made. He called not only the mayor's wife, but a very powerful dark wizard. He called her Queef Natima in front of all of her friends and did not apologize because he did not even realize he had done it. He has been having a very bad run of luck lately, even worse than the past couple of weeks. And we're not taking phone calls tonight. Good. (laughs) Do do you know why we're not taking phone calls? I, I pulled, I pulled the line out because last week, the citizens of this town were not very nice to no. us. You brought me some cake balls. And in case you haven't been listening, we have this deal. We want Robert England to come on the show. Faith does not sell cake balls at the Cozy Cafe. If Robert England agrees to come to Cozy Corner and be on our humble little internationally listened to program, she will sell these cake balls at the Cozy Cafe. He has not shown up yet, but last week she made me some as a gesture of friendship that 's all it was, right, Yep. we weren 't trying to offend anyone, but nope, we no. had an angry mob with torches and pitchforks just descend upon our station, and you know a lot of people have apologized you know they 've apologized but yeah. i 'm not i 'm not talking to them i 'm not talking to them tonight, but mm-hmm. uh Bobby Bobby, as I was saying he 's had a bad run of luck, and he 's around the, the station tonight he say, he said that if he 's going to be around anyone, he wants to be around us because the bad stuff just seems to find us, so maybe it'll just you know start missing him because he he's got a curse placed on him. It's yeah. awful, so he might be popping in and out tonight. And I I love Bobby. Me too. I mean, he's he's my favorite. He's he's my favorite. So, well, as I said, I think we have a pretty good show tonight. We are going to be talking about the nineteen ninety two Tim Burton Michael Keaton film Batman Returns. But Faith, you know what time it is, don't you?
2: It is time for the news.
1: As always, the news.
2: A fight broke out at the recent meeting of the Cozy Corner Society for a Better Earth. The cups that were used at the monthly chamomile tea and tofu brownie get-together were not biodegradable, nor were they made of recycled paper. The blame was placed solely on the shoulders of society president Marty Mannheim. Mannheim copped to his mistake, saying that it's been a long week and his chakras have been out of alignment. Fellow society member Lisa Lightbearer, long rumored to be after Mannheim's job, accused him of setting back the environmental movement by at least 50 years and also of being an ozone-depleting cow fart. It looked like the two were going to come to blows, but the crisis was averted as both Mannheim and Lightbearer are pacifists. They circled each other for the remainder of the meeting, and while there was a lot of posturing, no blows were
1: exchanged. The Cozy Corner print shop was the recent site of a massive police bust. Employees at the print center have been selling used printer toner out of the back of the store. The used toner, which goes by the street name Color Dust, apparently packs quite a wallop when inhaled. Sergeant Frank Monday of the Cozy Corner Police Department said that with the arrests made at the Cozy Corner print shop, he believes that the situation is well in hand, but he is worried about copycats.
2: Local area amputee Nick Nightfoot is an inspiration to us all here in Cozy Corner. This Saturday, Nightfoot is set to be honored by the Cozy Corner Town Council for his tireless charity work. Nightfoot lost both of his hands in an accident at the Cozy Corner Fireworks Factory years ago. Nightfoot says his charity work has never been about recognition. He just wants to lend a helping hand.
1: And finally, the recent Cozy Corner Lentil and White Bean Festival was such a hit that the festival organizers have added a second festival, the Cozy Corner Burrito, Chili, and Beer Fest. Festival organizer Igor Funkenstein said, It ain't a party till it hits the fan, and them fans are going to be blowing, baby. Once again, Faith, I have no idea what that man means, but that is the news. As I said, I think we have a pretty good show tonight. I think so, too. Outside of our good friend Bobby having a curse placed on him by Queen Fatima. uh, You know, things have been been pretty steady, so hopefully it'll be a good night. Hopefully we will be able to finish the show. And what a show we have. We have a new original piece called Life of Crime by our old friends, Polly Walnuts. It's a really nice nice little instrumental track. I think you're going to like it. Uh, we are also going to be talking about the 1992 film Batman Returns. But, Faith, do you know what time it is right now?
2: Is it time for a Booger of the Week?
1: It is time for the Booger of the Week. And I have a very quick announcement to make. You know, our our loyal listeners out there, we have been calling you Ghosts and Goblins. We've been calling you Ghosts and Goblins for a few weeks now. Faith, mm-hmm. we we just started it. it. It stuck with us. Yeah. But we decided we're going to make a change. We're going to make a change. From now on, if you all are agreeable to it, you will be known as boogers. What do you think, Faith? I like it. I think I think it really fits with the tone yeah, of the show. Yeah, I think so, too. So, boogers, male boogers, lady boogers, boogers of every color, shape, and size out there, you are listening to The Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side.
0: Booger of the Week. Booger of the Week.
1: While not technically a booger, Universal Studios makeup artist Jack Pierce is the man responsible for making the boogers. Born Janus Bakoulis in Greece in 1889. Pierce Americanized his name upon immigrating to the U.S. and had dreams of becoming a star in that most American of sports, baseball. When that career didn't pan out, Pierce embarked on a career in the movie industry and held a number of odd jobs before finding his life's true calling, makeup. His design of Karloff's Frankenstein monster is iconic. He considered his true masterpiece Karloff's withered, decayed look, as the mummy in the 1932 feature of the same name, but all of his designs, especially Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman, are worthy of the Horror Hall of Fame. His influence can still be felt today, and while it may have been Dr. Frankenstein who gave the monster life on screen, Jack Pierce was truly the creator of Gods and Monsters. Jack Pierce is our Booger of the Week.
0: Dr. Palladium for Wells Jennings. Who is Wells Jennings? They backed a truckload of money up to my laboratory. And they said we will give you facilities to see your greatest dreams come through. New creations, harnessing the power of the lightning. Yes, the lightning. Wells Jennings. Dr. Palladium. Cozy Corner.
2: Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, specializing in amulets, talismans, and spell books. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, located on Sacred Burial Road next to King's Drive In Theater. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium. Juju for you, you. Hey,
1: Faith. Hey, Dan. Knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting Penguin.
2: Interrupting (laughs) Penguin. (laughs) That one was funny. Oh no. I'm watching a video of a guy trying to light his fart on fire.
1: Wait, I, I have to see this. We'll be right back. The Cozy Corner Community Playhouse proudly presents a production of Mary Poppins, starring Faith, host of the Late Night Fright, as Mary Poppins, and Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright, as Bert the chimney sweep.
3: La la
2: la 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 I am Mary Poppins and a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Yeah, I got some medicine for you. I'd also
3: like to clean your chimneys, Mary Poppins. Hey, am I supposed to be saying this in this like a kid's play or
0: something?
1: Mary Poppins. Production of the Cozy Corner Community Theater. Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan.
2: And I am Faith.
1: And we are going to be talking about the 1992 Tim Burton film, Batman Returns. But before we do that, Faith, do you know that someone has a birthday this year? Who? It's a pretty big birthday, too.
3: Tell me. It's Batman. Ooh.
1: Do you know how old he is this year? 80. He is 80 years old this year. Mr Batman or is it Mr Man? Just just Batman. Yeah. Just Batman. Batman premiered in Detective Comics number 27 released in March of 1939. 80 years ago this month. So he's an old wow. man, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that to his face, would you? Mm-mm. He was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger for the National Comics Publication and that eventually became DC Comics which we all know and love today. He was created. Faith, do you know why he was created? Why? He was created in answer to another superhero that came out the year before. And I bet if you think about it, you can tell me who that is. Uh, Superman? Superman. And you're not a huge Superman fan, are you? I am
2: not. I just, I don't know why. That's
1: okay. I forgive you. Thank you. I forgive you. Uh, Superman was a huge hit and they wanted another superhero and they wanted something a little different. I think they got something a little different from the man of steel with Batman. And if you think about it, those characters have always kind of had a yin yang Mm -hmm. thing going on. And it was there from the beginning, uh, Kane and finger drew inspiration from classic literature and from the times that they were living in. Batman shares similarities with Zorro, the scarlet Pimpernel, Sherlock Holmes, Dick Tracy and the shadow. So he has a pretty heavy literary and pulp background, he was there from the beginning but also there Bob Kane really liked movies and he really liked horror movies uh, so German Expressionism was there at the beginning, that's going to come into play with Batman Returns the horror films have also been in the mix uh, from the beginning Batman's arch nemesis, the Joker, is based on and I'm going to try my best to pronounce this correctly, Conrad Veidt German actor Uh, His appearance in the 1928 silent film, The Man Who Laughs, and this is a film that Roger Ebert, the late great critic Roger Ebert said, is a melodrama at times, even a swashbuckler, but so steeped in expressionistic gloom that it plays like a horror film. And this actor, Conrad Veidt, that's how we're going to. That's how we're going to refer to him for now. Conrad Veidt. It's going to be very short on that. Uh, Conrad Veidt also appeared in the 1920 film, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, one of the first true horror films. And this movie in particular is a huge influence on Batman Returns and and on its director, Tim Burton. Uh, One of Batman's earliest foes, the original Clayface, Uh, his alias is Basil Corlo, named after horror icons Basil Rathbone, in Faith, Basil Karloff, bet you can figure out what the other one is. What? Boris Karloff. Ooh. You have a drink named after him, don't you, mm-hmm, at I the do. Cozy Cafe, and it is delicious. Thank you. Um, and that original Clayface had a design similar to that of Lon Chaney Sr. in 1925's classic Universal Studios booger movie, The Phantom of the Opera. And that's another one, very influential when batman returns but faith you know this is all in the past doesn't matter what do you think of this 80 year old man batman 80 years old one of the most popular if not the most popular comic book character in the world why do you think he's remained so popular through all of these years
2: i think he's very relatable in a sense if that makes any sense at all
1: it makes it makes a lot of sense um and it's amazing he is relatable, yet he is completely unrelatable at the same right. <laughs> time. Because I know quite a few people. I don't know any billionaires. Do you know any billionaires? No, <laughs> I don't either. Uh, there is there is a relatability to him. Would you like to expand on maybe some some ideas about that relatability? I just
2: feel like his past, maybe his darkness, kind of can relate to some people in
1: a way. He he fills the classic uh, superhero trope of there's always some kind of tragedy Mm -hmm. in the past uh, in the or in the origin story and his is very human and and absolutely tragic you know superman came out the year before uh his home planet exploded that's tragic yeah but he grew up he didn't know who they were he had earth parents batman knew who his parents were and then they were taken from him and
2: yeah it seems more relatable to more people than you know absolutely
1: Superman's planet exploding and <laughs> it's a little more you we could say down to earth right there you go okay pun intended <laughs> uh let me ask this too um because we're gonna get into this a little more with the movie he's very relatable there's some tragedy in his backstory does he strike you as someone who might possibly be a little depressed
2: yeah i can see that the darkness yeah. would
1: <laughs> would be there um I think you're completely right. I think not. A, and let me just say this at the beginning: Batman's cool. Oh,
0: of
2: course.
1: <laughs> Batman's just a cool character. He has the best gadgets. Mm-hmm. He has, uh, depending on which version of the suit you look at, a very cool suit. He's got a great car. Wow. He's got all that money. He's he's got a big great house. house. <laughs> um, but and I want to get into this when we talk about what Michael Keaton does in this movie. Uh, He has everything, but he has nothing. And he is someone, I think, that is very fractured and very broken. Mm -hmm. And that's in his origin and in his makeup. And I think Tim Burton does a really good job with that aspect of the character. And speaking of Tim Burton, uh, I have my notes here. And as I've said before, we prepare for this show here. Uh, There have been several live action incarnations of the character. And we're going back all the way to the 40s so right after he premiered they were doing serials of this character in black and white uh, through the 40s the adam west tv show is pretty popular Mm -hmm. that was pretty popular in 1960s the tim burton joel schumacher films of the 80s and 90s and then in the early 2000s we had christian bale and christopher nolan recently Mm we have we've had ben affleck in the justice league films um, what is your favorite live incarnation of the Batman, and can you tell me why?
2: Oh, it's Michael Keaton and Tim Burton's Michael <laughs> take Keaton. on it.
1: Is there even a close second for you? Oh,
2: that's hard.
1: That's what she said.
2: <laughs> I mean, I kind of like Christian Bale in a way, but he doesn't...
1: I like aspects of those movies. There's
2: aspects, but...
1: Michael Keaton steals it for me. Michael Keaton steals it for me, too. We're going we're gonna to be talking a lot about Michael Keaton tonight, yeah. uh, especially what he does in this movie. But he is my favorite. He was actually, to tell you the truth, Adam West was my first Batman because I grew up watching reruns of the old TV show. So I would say he was my first Batman. But as far as you know, you know, big screen. I was ten years old when that first movie came out in '89. Let me tell you something. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Have we ever talked about the summer of '89? Not sure. Summer of '89 was a magical time for movies. It was. It really felt like a magical time. I don't want to get too much into this, but you know, with everything that we have going on with politics and kind of the uh, the mood around the country, the divisiveness, there wasn't a lot of that. At least I didn't feel it growing up, and. That summer was so magical. You had movies out like Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. The sequel to last week's movie, Ghostbusters, was out. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, You had uh, Star Trek. You had another Star Trek movie out. You also had a movie called Batman. And Batman is possibly the first time that I've seen a movie explode on a cultural scale like that. You could not look anywhere without seeing a bat symbol that that summer and it was everywhere. It was quite an experience. Uh I was already into movies. That one really kind of solidified the deal for me. That (laughs) really got me into movies. And uh we're not talking about the 89 movie tonight, but real quick, what do you think about the 89 movie?
2: Oh it's brilliant too. I love everything about it.
1: Um Michael Keaton, let's go ahead and let's get into let's get into the Keats. Go for it. Michael Keaton, it was very controversial when he was cast as Batman and we didn't even have the internet then. And the word got around and angry fans were writing into Warner brothers. You know, how dare you do this? Because up until that point he was known primarily as a comedic actor and they were worried that this was going to be a really, you know, funny, you know, laugh out loud, haha, film that was, couldn't yeah. have been further from the truth. <laughs> um, what do you think about, his portrayal let's let's get into him as batman
2: he's brilliant i think i've always told you this about him his eyes just stand out so much to me
1: his his eyes are amazing
2: that's like that's it like i'm locked in on his eyes and they tell a story and i feel everything he feels the whole time i'm watching them
1: his his eyes really are amazing and i made i during the elm street Uh, show that we did when we were talking about Robert England. I believe I made the comment that, you know, the two guys who have the crazy eyes are Robert England and the Freddy Krueger get up and Michael Keaton in the Batman suit. Mm -hmm. His eyes, I think of his Batman as essentially a silent performance almost, too. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say much. He doesn't have to say much. And what I love about him as Batman is when he does talk, he's whispering. There's a Clint Eastwood influence on that. He's very still still um i feel like affleck has the size i feel like the size was really good with affleck i think one of the knocks on keaton was uh was the build but i really don't care because when he's in that suit and he's looking at you it's intimidating it is. it's very intimidating doesn't even have to say a word mm-hmm. and that whisper just adds to it and he uses everything that he's got body language uh, uh like i said just that that intensity coming out that he naturally has and tim burton uh i have to give credit to tim burton would you have cast michael keaton as batman now let's look at those original movies that we're talking about here we're talking about a little movie called night shift faith you've seen night shift I what have? do you think of night shift I
2: love night shift.
1: night shift is a very enjoyable funny movie directed by ron howard boogers that's what we're calling you now boogers if you haven't seen night shift you really need to do yourself a favor and just buy it it's yeah. hysterical um he followed that movie up with a movie called Mr. Mom. He was in... Uh, well, you've seen Mr. Mom, haven't you? I
2: think I've seen parts of it. Parts of all.
1: it? Okay. Funny movie. Uh, he was in a movie called Johnny Dangerously with uh, fellow Batman actor Danny DeVito in this movie. Uh, then he was in Gung Ho, another Ron Howard movie. Kind of quiet for a little while. Things kind of hit a valley. And then he came back really big in 1988 with a movie I know most people... Listening to this show, absolutely love. We love this movie, mm-hmm. uh, Beetlejuice, and that's where he met Tim Burton, and that is how he got the job. So I just mentioned all those all those movies. Let's take Beetlejuice out of the equation. Uh, would you have cast him?
2: I'm not sure because now that you're taking Beetlejuice out of the equation, I don't know.
1: Okay, then I'll just throw Beetlejuice back in. Be after, <laughs> after seeing Beetlejuice, would you? Would you cast him? Probably. I I'm going to be honest.
2: Again with his eyes. The eyes. The eyes. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna be honest. I love Michael Keaton. I cite Michael Kean's, Michael Keaton's <laughs> Michael Keaton as a major influence on on writing, on some of the writing and the way that I approach some things. And I love him dearly. He was me too. I have loved him when I was a very small child watching Mr. Mom and, and all through, you know, he's been with me my entire life. I don't know that I would have cast him in the role. And I have to give credit to Tim Burton for that. But Tim Burton did say making Beetlejuice. He saw it, exactly what you're saying, in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And thank God he did, I because guess. I honestly, I don't, I can't see anybody else doing this. And one final word about Michael Keaton's performance as Batman, of all the live action Batman that we've had, and the animated ones, because I want to say something about the animated um, Batman or the uh, Lego, Lego Batman, I should say. Um He's the only one that I feel absolutely has to put on that suit. He is so broken and so nutty on the inside that he has to express himself in that suit. Mm-hmm. Do you catch that vibe from yeah, him? Yeah, I that, do. That there's a, and also, he of all of them, he's the one that the most feels like a broken child on the inside that he's still carrying.
2: Yeah, I feel that for sure. That
1: that pain is still with him every day. Um, so this movie... The 89 movie, let's focus on the 89 movie for just a second. The 89 movie and the 1978 Christopher Reeve Superman movie are, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, considered to be the cornerstones of the comic book movie genre. And what do you think about those movies in particular?
2: I think they're both good. I think that they're different than what you would see today
1: in those kind of movies. That's a very good point today. Do you, what, what would you say is different about those movies compared to, and let's, let's just talk about in general, and we don't need to pick one, um, but well, let's go with the Marvel movies because the Marvel movies to me seem to be the, the successor to those two films.
2: Right. I feel like there's a story the I'm looking for. There's so much action in today. Mm-hmm. And not that I don't like action, mm-hmm. but I feel like they're missing kind of a story in a way. Sometimes, correct. And I feel like in those originals, you have kind of a story, and you know, like I said a while ago, you you feel what they're feeling in those movies. And I feel like I kind of lack that in these newer movies where I don't really feel what's going on with them.
1: Yeah, Michael Keaton makes you feel; Mm -hmm. he makes you empathize with Batman. And as we said, that is kind of a character; it's hard to. You get you get that there's tragedy. Everybody has tragedy mm. in their lives, but it might be a little hard to empathize with him because of some of the Playboy trappings, right. you know. But I feel him. It I feel you. him when I'm watching that original movie. I definitely feel him when when I'm watching Batman Returns. And and again, it we're did. we're we're getting into it. We're we're easing into it. That's what she said. <laughs> uh you beat me at my uh, own I, joke. I beat her at her own joke. But uh Christopher Reeve, I think, really did I think he's the gold standard for comic book movie casting. I, I when I see Chris Reeve as Superman, that's Superman. That's yeah. that's it. That uh and again going back, those movies came out right around the time I was born. I grew up with Chris Reeve Superman movies. A lot of good actors have played Superman. A lot of good actors before him, a lot of good actors after him. He is Superman. Yeah. There's no getting around it and and wherever you are, Chris, you know, we love you. Uh can you believe he's been, it's been 13 years, I believe, since that oh, man wow. Since that man left us. Um, he was a hero. He was Superman in real life. But as our good friend Bobby would say, I digress, moving on. Um, but those movies really set a foundation, I think, that it, you're still seeing the influence of those movies today. You can see that influence yeah. on the movies today. I can see it for better and for worse. Yeah. And what I think is the most important thing about those two films in particular is they were very um they got the source material and they were faithful to the source material. I, I, again, when I think of Superman, the character of Superman, I think of that 1978 mm-hmm. movie. When I think of Batman, I immediately go to that 89 or that 92 movie, nothing against the other ones, but those are, those to me are those characters. And I think Marvel especially has really tried to do that with their characters. And, and, we're not gonna get into whether they've succeeded or or not succeeded, but uh, I think you know they get what they were trying to do, and so for better or for worse, these movies that came out forty and thirty years ago, they're still influencing things today. So we thought we talked about we thought it again, people. We were in the sun in a baseball game all day today. Uh, we talked about your favorite Batman performance. Uh, you said Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. That is also my favorite. Do you have a least favorite Batman performance?
2: All of them? <laughs> Just playing. <there. laughs> no, that's not true. Um, I'm not a big fan of Ben Affleck as Batman. Just
1: there, there, there are things I like in his mm-hmm. performance. I like the suit. I really like the suit that they have. Yeah. I feel that's a an homage to the original DC, uh, yeah, 1939 true. look. Uh, for me, it's Michael Keaton. And I know a lot of you out there listening right now are, are not agreeing with us. And that's fine. fine. If you have a different opinion, feel free to, to drop us drop us a line. As I say, when we uh, criticize, and we're not even criticizing anything here, when we just say, you know, we like something better than other things, we're not criticizing you. This is not what this is about. And we're not criticizing Ben Affleck. No. I'm not a huge fan of his work. But, hey, more power to him. He got to play Batman. How cool is that? <laughs> um my uh, my least favorite, I I don't I, know. I have others.
2: Well, who's yours?
1: <laughs> my least favorite, uh, you know. Again, I'm going to create some controversy here. I I'm not a huge fan of Christian Bale as Batman.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, my rationale for that is watch the movies, <laughs> but uh, he
2: lacks the passion of Michael Keaton. I think
1: the intense passion of Michael Keaton and A B the, the and the
2: brokenness, if you the would. broken
1: yes. AB them, and you can look on YouTube, they have the two scenes next to each other where Michael Keaton does the, I'm Batman, and then they put the Christian Bale right next to it. Just watch them. Just, just well, watch them. the
2: funny thing is, the first one I ever saw was The Dark Knight. Really? It's the first Batman movie I ever really? saw. Really? Wow. And I was like, oh, it's pretty good. Then I went back in time, and I was like, oh.
1: <laughs> right?
2: Oh, okay. What was I missing?
1: <laughs> right, nothing is Christian Bale. I, I like him just fine. Uh, for my money, though, with some of these, some of these guys, a lot of people would say it's George Clooney. I don't even think George Clooney is is. If you compare it to the nineteen fifties Batman comic books, and put it next to Adam West, it's okay. okay. It, it's it's it is what it is. It's not trying to be anything deeper than right. than that. But uh, I don't know. Just I I don't know. There's something about the Christian Bale performance just just doesn't sit right with me although i do like batman begins quite a bit i think that's that is one of my favorite batman movies uh but my other favorite batman performances are funny enough i think adam west <laughs> in the tv show is amazing and if you're familiar with the comic books at that time that is pretty true to to what they were doing and i rewatched the first season of that show over the past couple of years and they're listen it's campy it's big it's colorful it's loud but they do play the darkness, that he is he's on a quest because he's avenging his parents. And Adam West, God bless him, he left us recently, too. He was great. He was funny. I know a lot of people, you remember him for Family Guy these days. But go back and watch that, that Batman TV show. You will love it. And uh, my third favorite is actually Will Arnett as the Lego Batman. I think there is something wonderfully cracked and twisted. Yes. And also, I would like to add, I am not an expert on Batman. I love the character. I, I know a little bit about the history. I think it's quintessential Batman, though. You can, you can, the character is in there. He is kind of distilled in there and is played for laughs. But you can do a lot worse than the Lego Batman. Oh yes, he's 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 quite charming in his own little way. But so we're in agreement that Michael Keaton for us is the batman he's Mm -hmm. he's number one on the list so you know where we stand on this and before we go to break we're going to talk about one more guy we're going to talk about tim burton and faith do you know much about tim burton
2: i don't know too much about his history but i know about his movies for sure
1: tim burton uh was born in bakersfield i believe and do you know who else was born in bakersfield california who guy we're trying to get on the show robert right robert there must be something in the water in bakersfield man uh, I'm trying to remember if I went to Bakersfield when I was in California. I don't think I went to Bakersfield, but I'd, I probably should have probably should have. Uh, Tim Burton was born in Bakersfield. Uh, he was influenced by horror movies as a kid. He also loved art. He is a really great animator. And for a time he worked for the Walt Disney company. He did, uh, some, uh, visual design work for films like the Fox and the Hound, uh, the Black Cauldron. So they early eighties. Movies And apparently none of his design work got picked and he was subsequently fired from the company. It was after he directed the short Frankenweenie, which he eventually then turned into a a longer feature film. But that, uh, while he was there and directed a small short film called Vincent about a boy who idolizes Vincent Price, the great horror actor. we're going to be doing some Vincent Price movies, uh, coming up soon. Uh, that got the attention of Paul Rubens, also known as Pee-wee Herman. And he had Mr. Burton direct Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And then that led to a collaboration with Danny Elfman. That also led to the film Beetlejuice. And then that also led to the Batman movie. So he, uh, he is a really neat guy. He's very introverted, too. He's a very introverted guy. I remember him saying years ago that... He didn't like to go to Hollywood parties because he'd rather just hang out with his buddies from high school. <laughs> and I don't get invited to Hollywood parties, but uh, <laughs> I, I know what he means. Right? <laughs> I think I know what he means. So, Faith, you are a Tim Burton fan, though, are oh, you not? yes. Yes. What, what do you like about his movies?
2: He's quirky, and he's got this kind of strange darkness that lives inside of him that comes out, and it's beautiful.
1: Quirky, strange darkness. Yeah. Um, I agree with you 110% on everything you just said. I would like to add the word eccentric to it. it. I, uh, I don't think that's a bad word either. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's a term of endearment to me, but I've been called eccentric before and that's fine. I like it. Please call me eccentric anytime (laughs) you want. Um, I like him. He's one of the guys working today that has such a unique visual style that you immediately know it's a Tim Burton movie. Exactly. And there's a there's very few guys working today where you go, oh, that's so and so. That's mm-hmm. so-and-so's movie. And there's very few guys, I think, throughout the history of cinema who have that can lay claim to that. Tim Burton is one of them for me. And I adore him. I especially adore his early work. Not to take anything away from his later work, uh, but that run of Pee-Wee's Big Adventure still makes me laugh. I think that's a <laughs> I think that's just a warp sick. <laughs> you know fever dream of a, of a looney tunes cartoon or something um that has a real good sensibility to it beetlejuice i absolutely adore beetlejuice oh, yeah. uh i love the 89 batman uh a lot of people consider edward scissorhands to be his masterpiece it's
2: one I, of my favorites
1: it's one of my favorites too i don't think it's his masterpiece though no. i think the movie that we're talking about tonight is his masterpiece yeah. and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you why when we uh when we really get into it but I think he's great. Do you have a favorite Tim Burton movie?
2: All of them. <laughs> Don't see.
1: You're turning into me. Every week we do this show. And when when I have to make a hard decision, I always go with all of them. Are you going with all of them? Because I'll, I'll grant you all of them.
2: I like his Batman movies. I like Sweeney Todd. I like anything with Johnny Depp in it. I mean, come on.
1: I think they're contractually obligated that they have to make movies together at this point.
2: <laughs> and I'm uh, okay with that
1: and for a while there was uh, his. i think he was married to helena bottom carter he was. and she was in all of all of his movies too
2: you have not seen sweeney todd
1: i am not a huge musical fan I'm not i, either, but I have, it's the
2: only one that i like
1: i have trouble sitting mm-hmm. through musicals and i'm a musician and so i don't know what that says about me but uh thank you for outing me to the audience that You're i have welcome. not seen sweeney todd Thank you for because that. Because you need to see it. I need to see because it's a booger movie. I need to see it. I just, I don't know. Maybe the timing on that movie for me just wasn't right when it was out. But I tell you what, I will take your advice. I will watch Sweeney Todd. And in the next few weeks, I will have a report on what I think of Sweeney Todd because isn't the late great Ellen Rickman in that?
2: Yes,
1: he is. That guy was great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe I will have to check this out. And, but,
2: the, and the songs aren't terrible. Cause again, I don't like musicals. So it's not
1: that okay, bad. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. All of them. All of them. <laughs> Batman Returns, notwithstanding, I do think it's my favorite film of his. Uh, is Batman mean, Returns. Uh, outside of Batman Returns, I I really do like Beetlejuice. Me
0: Beetlejuice, too, I think,
1: it's like is just such yes. a such a wonderfully kind of quirky movie, you know. And one of my favorite Michael Keaton performances is in that. And they work really well together too. They yeah, they, they do. actually do have a new movie coming out because Tim Burton's Dumbo is. Getting ready to grace our cinemas, and Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito are back together in that. And I think I read somewhere that that they Hmm. tried to get Michelle Pfeiffer in the movie too, in something. I could be wrong on that, so so don't don't quote me on that. But Faith, look who's here!
2: Oh hey, Bobby!
1: Hey you guys! How's it going? Bobby, we uh we are just talking about the movie Batman Returns. Do you wanna do you wanna hang out and discuss the movie with us?
3: No, no, no. I was just I'm so I didn't even see the light on outside. You know, guys, it hadn't been a good week for me. You know, I got cursed by that uh uh queen queef the, Don't call her don't call her queef Bobby. I didn't mean to do it just now. I didn't even know I did it at the thing. I mean, but she put a hex on me, people face. Do you you know how bad it's been for me the past week?
2: How bad's it been?
3: Well, I was at the gym doing my hammer curls, and, you know, I I wear weightlifting gloves. I mean, I got a good grip on them weights, right? And it just slipped out like it was wet. It hit me right on the foot. No big deal, right? Okay, well, that's just a little thing. But then, you know, a bunch of little things kind of turn into a big thing, right? So there I am, you know, I talk to my good friend Robbie. Robbie goes, hey, Bobby, you know, you got some gray hairs up there. And I'm like, holy F, I do have gray hairs. I didn't have those before I got this curse. You want to know something else? I mean, you got and my best friends and I'll tell you what's been going on I think my hairline is starting to recede if you follow what I am telling you Faith does my hair look like it's going up a little bit on the sides
2: just a little bit
3: and it's like I forgot how to talk to girls I mean this lady she did something to me
1: Bobby do you want do you maybe want to apologize like see if she will possibly break the curse because I hate I hate seeing you look you seem just so down I know
3: well, I'll I'll go ahead. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, uh, Kwee from the team. I'm so sorry about what I said to you. I didn't mean it. I didn't even know I did it.
1: You just oh did God. it again, Bobby. Maybe maybe you should go in the other room.
3: No, I figure like you know, like bad things always happen to you guys. So if something bad's gonna happen, it's gonna happen to you and not to me. You know what I mean?
1: great man um well listen bobby you know we love you you're more and more than welcome to hang around tonight because we're not taking phone calls because you know that was ugly last week
3: I was ugly you guys i mean they just came down here does anybody ever apologize to you we've had faith in, a, few
1: of, a few of them yeah but we're just you know Laying you know we love lane. we love cozy corner but we're not taking phone calls mm-hmm. tonight because frankly i don't want to talk to them. faith i don't either
3: well, hey, if that makes you guys feel good, it makes me feel good. So anyway, so listen, I'll be next door, you know, if you want to, you know, get my opinion on anything, you know, just give a knock. I'm not going to be doing anything, just, you know, trying to stay away from a curse. You know how that is, don't you, Dan?
1: No, not really, Bobby. I don't. Well, anyway, we are going to take a break. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And you are listening to the Late Night Fright on WKMF, Cozy Corner of Public Radio. We will see you on the other side we mm-hmm.
0: This is Jeff Fanghorn with your WKMF Cozy Corner News Update. I am contractually obligated by the station manager to apologize here on the air to Dan and Faith for my part in last week's cake ball misunderstanding. I'm sorry. If you need more than that, please speak to my attorney. I'm out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. I'll be down at my brother Champ's bar, Sports. That's right, Sports. A bar based on the music of Huey Lewis and the News. Keep your cake balls and your little horror show, Dan and Faith. Jeff Fanghorn out. Back to you.
1: Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And you are listening to our humble little show here from WKMF in Cozy Corner. We are so lucky tonight, Faith. We get to talk about one of our favorite movies, 1992's Batman Returns. And I know some of you out there listening are thinking, don't you guys talk about horror movies? Well, yes, we do. But we also talk about you know, I consider horror movies to be booger movies. My mm-hmm. uncle, as I've said before, called the boogeyman the booger man and anything with a monster or a creature anything like that was a booger movie. Faith, I think there's a booger in Batman Returns. Would you oh, of course. There there's a pretty good monster at the heart of Batman mm-hmm. Returns. And let's get in let's just get into it. But let's start a little different tonight. You know, we we haven't talked too much about setting before. And I think the setting of this movie is extremely important. It mm-hmm. takes place at Christmas time. Uh, seasonal depression seems to be a running theme in this movie. And let's talk about seasonal depression. Do you believe in seasonal depression?
2: Yeah, I do. A little
1: bit. <laughs> I absolutely do. I am one of these people that if the sun does not come out for, for three, four days, I'm just down. My energy level is extremely down. So, if you're not feeling well to begin with and the, and starts snowing and the cold comes in and it's Christmas time and everybody else is happy but you're not feeling very well I, I think you know it's a recipe for, for disaster mm-hmm. and I think these these three characters at the center of this movie it's a recipe for disaster for them so do you think the decision to set this movie at Christmas time what do you think of that decision?
2: I think it was brilliant because they're all kind of dark and depressing in a way.
1: <laughs> and is, isn't that ironic? The, the Supposed to be the happiest time of the year. And we have this movie that's about these extremely disturbed and depressing characters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The other irony of this, too, from a, from a real world standpoint, is that this was a summer blockbuster that was released. I think it was June 25th, 1992, released in the in the heart of the summer. And it's a Christmas movie. I don't know if that's a funny know. little joke on Tim Burton's part, but <laughs> and uh, one other thing about Tim Burton that I didn't mention when we were talking about him—he had free reign over this movie. This was his movie from start to finish. He didn't write it, but he had—he was the producer on this. This was his creative baby from the beginning. So I want you to keep that in mind, uh, listeners, as as we talk about this movie. So, uh, do you think it adds to the isolation? That that they feel. Oh, of
2: course. I think the main character of this movie is isolation. (laughs)
1: That's a that's a great point. Isolation, isolation itself. (laughs) Isolation. uh, I didn't think about that when we get to the main characters. I want you to I want you to bring that that up. That is a that's a very good point, and it is definitely a theme of the movie. And I think that is reinforced visually. And and through dialogue and visually, the Mm -hmm. isolation, even isolation from yourself Uh sometimes, which is um, which I think is part of this movie. Um, This movie was also shot entirely on a soundstage. Uh, This does two things for me. I think it makes the film look like an older film from the 30s and 40s. Did you get a vibe like this was a movie from, you were watching an old movie? Yeah, I did. This movie, for me, very easily could have been in black and white. It could have. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that and why I think that is when we get to some of the expressionistic things and the horror imagery in it. Uh, But also, I think that the decision to film it on a soundstage definitely adds to the isolation that Mm -hmm. all of these people are feeling in this movie because nothing is real did you notice that it was filmed completely on a soundstage was was that something that that popped out to you
2: at times i noticed it but i never really noticed it before up until recently up until recently okay i I could see that
1: right and i think that was a deliberate choice on, on tim Burton 's part, now some of it was practical because they had to keep the sets at a certain temperature for the uh, right. for the penguins and for some technical aspects with the breath coming out because cgi and by the way boogers uh, this is the last major movie that I think didn 't use cgi or or was practical effects on a on on a huge scale like this uh-huh. i do I do think there were a few cG shots of bats in the movie, but they may have been animated. I could be wrong about that. So if you hear anything different, let me know. But um, but practical effects, models, some beautiful model work in this movie. But every as John Lennon said, nothing is real. It's there. It's all fake. And so you think that the setting of Christmas time combined with the uh, with the falsehood of Filming on the soundstage, not in the real world, contributes to what you think is the main theme in this movie, which is isolation. Absolutely. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I think it looks great. And the thing that I like about it, and I remember I was about 13 years old when this movie came out. I I didn't realize that they had shot it on a soundstage, but I did make note that it felt like an old movie. And for a while, I didn't like that. That was something I didn't, Why? I, I, you know, as, as, you know, you're a kid and you're growing up and you know, there's new things and ooh, then there's Batman forever and Batman and Robin and you get into other movies as well. Uh, but when I really started getting in the film and I went back and I always liked Batman returns and when I went back and watched it though with, with fresh kind of mature eyes, I guess as mature as someone like me can be, which I know there are some of you out there that would argue that I'm mature. Faith is making a face right now. <laughs> but, um, I think it actually makes the movie timeless. As I said, it looks like something from the 30s and 40s. It looks like a golden age of Hollywood movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it was completely the right decision. And I think he has, it has stood the test of time and will continue to stand the test of time. So the setting of Christmas time. And now let's talk about one of our favorite things. And I, I know you have something to say about this. Let's talk about the score for this movie. And the score for this movie was done by, go ahead and say his name,
2: Danny Elfman.
1: Danny Elfman, the great genius. Danny Elfman. <laughs> genius. Did you? Oh. I called him genius. That is high praise, Faith. That is very high praise. Uh, I don't know that I would call him a genius. I'm but not,
2: uh, he, Maybe he's not a genius. I but get but you. I, you know.
1: I know exactly what you mean. Uh, Danny Elfman was the front man of a group called Oingo Boingo that Tim Burton was a fan of. And when they were doing Pee Wee's Big Adventure, he thought... Hey, let's get this guy whose music I like to do do the uh, score for this. Uh, I feel a kinship with Danny Elfman, and I have felt this for a long time. Just not to not to take a side road here, but uh, I write music, I compose music, I learn how to compose for the orchestra. Some out there who have heard my music might beg to differ with me that I learned that I have learned indeed how to do it, but. Uh, it's something that I worked at quite a bit and got at least some bit of uh, what's the word I'm looking uh, facility with it. Uh, learned how to do it, and I was studying film scores from guys like John Williams, and I was studying Danny Elfman. You know, just because I like his music, that's why I was looking at him. Uh, so I'm a self-taught musician. I I had an uncle, uh, the Booger movie uncle, showed me around the base and then i kind of took it from there so i'm i'm autodidactic with a lot of things i'm self-taught uh danny elfman is the same way danny elfman Mm -hmm. doesn't have any formal schooling and when i was starting out and learning composition uh on my own just Mm
0: -hmm. from
1: my own you know uh, personal want and i read that i i got really excited about that and (laughs) he he's I I think he's great. I think he's great. And and like we talked about with Tim Burton and they're, they're kind of joined at the hip Mm -hmm. too. And isn't this interesting faith? This just hit me as, as I was talking about him, we talked about Robert Zemeckis and Alan Silvestri and they're joined at the hip. And when we were talking about um, uh, them, we also talked about Alfred Hitchcock and Bernard Herrmann, and and and, you know, these guys have, have their go-to composer. Um, Ivan Reitman I know was using Elmer Bernstein for a little while I think Elmer passed away and he's he's got a regular guy now but I think it's very interesting that these guys have their go to mm-hmm. and when you get two guys who are Tim Burton uh I don't even think left of center is is good enough for Tim Burton sometimes but uh, Elfman's got some left of center mm-hmm. about him too but uh with that said he is self taught the guy is very smart the doing? guy is musically literate he knows what he's talking about. So you're, I know you're a fan. What do you, what do you think? What do you think of, uh, his music in general? And then the score for this film,
2: his music in general is almost breathtaking in a way. It's beautiful. There's again, the darkness kind of like Tim Burton and it just, it's so pretty to me in this movie. It it fits so well. It's gorgeous. It, uh,
1: I, this is one of my favorite scores of his. I think this actually is my favorite Danny Elfman score. Um, it's up there. It's me. it's definitely up there, and it takes what he did. And a uh, very quick funny story. Did did you find this story about him and doing research for him on the show? Did you find the story about him with the 1989 Batman movie? Uh, a lot of people thought that he didn't write that score. A lot of people thought that, that he wasn't capable of writing that score. Hmm. And they, um, they gave the credit to a wonderful woman, I uh, believe it was Shirley Walker, who would go on to do the music for the Batman animated series in the early nineties. And she was, she's no longer with us and, and God bless her, wherever she is. She was a wonderful orchestrator and she was a very good composer on top of it, but she orchestrated the 1989 Batman movie. And she always maintained that Danny Elfman wrote that score. He, he wrote that score. And if you listen to his other work and go back and listen to Batman, you can hear Mm -hmm. Danny Elfman all through that. But, um, so he, he, he felt he had something to prove with, with uh, the Batman score and then everything he's done since. I know for a while he had a little chip on his shoulder because, uh, not that awards mean anything, but the 1989 score was not nominated for an Academy Award. And I dare anyone out there to find a better score in 1989 than the Batman score. Anything that is as hummable, melodic, as, as, as quirky and fun. And, and think about it. He wrote the theme for Batman. That mm-hmm. is the Batman theme. He even brought it back in the Justice League movie because Batman only has, for me, one theme.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the Adam West TV show. And I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a nice theme, too. No, uh, Danny Elfman, I think I think he's great. And when I think of Danny Elfman, I think of a piano doubled with like a bassoon. Like dun, dun, mm-hmm. dun, dun. <laughs> that to me is is Danny Elfman and he's had some really great success with theme songs. He's, he wrote the Simpsons theme 30 years ago. Can you believe that 30 years on the Simpsons? Um, he wrote the theme song for tales from the crypt, the HBO, uh, anthology series, which by the way, I want to make an announcement. We're going to be doing some mini reviews of tales from the crypt, for the 30th anniversary that's going to be coming up this summer so stay tuned for that if that's your cup of tea uh great booger in that series Two faith the crypt keeper do you think he's cute he's kind of cute the crypt keeper sure sure. why not <laughs> as our good friend bobby would say i digress moving on <laughs> so uh danny elfman's great uh did you have a favorite favorite outside of outside of or just all oh, of fun. them so we're going with all of them no i
2: actually <laughs> really like sleepy hollow and um my mind just completely went blank. Um, Edward Scissorhands. Edward,
1: Scissorhands, that's a beautiful. The, uh,
2: so basically Tim Burton movie.
1: The Tim, all the Tim Burton movies. Yeah, and Did he's done some he, work outside. He has of,
2: only never done two Tim Burton movies.
1: They had a little bit of a falling out, and the falling Ed out
2: Wood and Sweeney Todd are the ones he yeah.
1: never worked on. And funny enough, it was this movie that uh, led to a little bit of a falling out between them, and which is ironic to me because Tim Burton gave him free reign to do whatever he wanted. And then I think they had an argument about, I don't know, something. But uh, I think his score for this movie is absolutely brilliant. The scratching on the yeah. strings for the for the Catwoman, you know, these orchestral techniques that he uses. And it's beautifully... It's It has a beautiful melancholy to it and this just heartbreaking operatic exactly. thing to it. And I don't know if this was the first time he used choir, but he... The Danny Elfman choir sound to me really comes through in this. You mm-hmm. hear that in like Alice in Wonderland, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and some other things. Uh I think he's a great film composer. I, I think he's a great musician. I'm glad that these two found each other. I'm glad that it was Danny Elfman that wrote the Batman theme because it's it's been with me since I was ten years old. And and when I again, as we said, when I think of Batman, I think of that eighty-nine movie. And when I think of music for Batman, I think of Danny Elfman's batman music and Mm -hmm. i was so happy a few years ago when justice lee came out and you got to hear just a little bit of it in that score that he did for it so so we have the setting established we definitely have the mood enhanced by the music so let's talk let's talk about the trio at the center of this movie the bat the cat and the penguin and there's another one too max shrek Mm -hmm. played by christopher walken so he was uh, actually created specifically for this movie. So, But we're going to get to him in a second. Uh, Batman Returns is kind of more of a character-driven film than the 89 film. And I also think that it's the most character-driven of the Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Any of them that have come after it. Even The Dark Knight, which is held up as kind of the gold standard these days of the Batman right. uh, movies. I like that movie it is not my favorite movie. It is a, it is a very good movie not my and I'm going to get into some of the, uh, remind me that we need to, I want to talk about Tim Burton versus the Chris Nolan movies and not that one's better than the other, but there's some differences that I think, uh, and I'm going to give right. the nod to Tim Burton on this because I'll just go ahead and say it. I think Tim Burton's movies feel more like a comic book movie. It feels mm-hmm. like a comic book. Uh, Chris yeah. Nolan, I like the, I like the approach that the idea he had of, we're going to ground Batman and make it a little more real world. And I think it works to a point. It is still a fantastic character, the fantastical character. So, uh, so anyway, so that's the world that these characters live in. This is a fantastic comic book world uh, with elements of horror, suspense, mystery, uh, film, war, romance, a whole lot of things are working in this movie. And at the center of this movie, you have these these three leads, the bat, the cat, and the penguin. And Faith, what do you think of the characters that inhabit this world?
2: I love them. I couldn't picture the movie without these characters at all. What about you?
1: I, I can't. They fit right in mm-hmm. to this movie seamlessly. They do. Seamlessly. Now, the plots of this movie, because there's two movies here. There's really two movies. There's a monster movie, a booger movie. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we call them booger movies here at the Late Night Fright. There's a booger movie. And there's a love story mm-hmm. that's happening. The two stories don't have a lot in common outside of a of a unifying thread in Max Shrek. And we're gonna talk about him. And I have a thought on Max Shrek that I want to share with the audience that I shared with you just yesterday, and I think you you liked what I had to say about him. But mm-hmm. let's start with Batman. Let's go ahead and start with him. Where is Batman? at the beginning of this film.
2: I don't know. Where is he?
1: (laughs) I would say that he's in isolation.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: And the Batman that's in this movie. And one of the criticisms against this movie is that he is not the star of the movie. Do you agree or disagree with that?
2: Oh, I think he is for sure.
1: I think he's the star of the movie. And I really think that the reason that people say that is first off, Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer, kill in this movie oh, of course um i know heath ledger won an oscar for the dark knight and a lot of people say that's maybe the finest comic book villain performance of all time i taking take nothing away from heath i love the joker in the dark knight right. danny devito and michelle pfeiffer and batman returns are my favorite Brilliant. villains of all time if you even can call them villains and right? <laughs> you know <laughs> uh they are both of them are absolutely brilliant and one of the other knocks against this movie is that there's too many characters i don't think there are too many characters i think they're handled very gracefully and delicately and i don't think it works without right the cat or the penguin
2: yeah like we said last week with ghostbusters every character kind of has a place in this movie they're not (laughs) overused or not needed they're
1: Say say it again, what you said right there at the beginning. Every character has a point point in this movie. And one of the knocks on this movie is that Batman is not the star, as I said. One of the reasons I think that people criticize this movie is because in the first act of this movie, in the first 30 minutes, he's not in it much. Mm -mm. He has maybe two or three scenes, maybe says five words, if that. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem in the world with that because the James Bond movie from Russia with Love, which I consider to be the best of the Connery movies, James Bond is barely in the first 20 or so minutes of that movie because that movie takes its time to develop the villains and the situation that that Bond is going to have to be dealing with. This movie does the exact same thing, but every character has its place. Now, my argument is that this entire movie is about Batman and that every character in the movie is a reflection of Batman. Yeah, I can agree. I agree with that. So even when we're not talking about Batman, we're, yes, we we're still, still talking about Batman and every character is a, is just a shadowy reflection of, of Bruce Wayne. And one of the things I noticed, uh, not only about Batman in this movie, but really the whole trio, uh, did you get the idea that there's a repressed adolescence at work here with the three of them?
2: Of course, absolutely, I did.
1: Did you notice uh, anything, any, any, uh, anything on screen, symbol wise, like concrete that you can point to? Where because there were two things in particular with I know the you, villains. You
2: told me about
1: something. It, it was. Right at the beginning of the movie when with the little prologue with the birth of the penguin, and we're going to get a lot more into the penguin at the, in that little bit, um, there was hanging from his little uh, what would you call His little jail cell. <laughs> uh, there was a rubber ducky that was hanging uh, outside of the bars, and I got the idea that, that was maybe one of the first memories that he has, one of the first images that, that has stayed with him, and the rubber duck is associated with the penguin throughout this entire Mm -hmm. movie throughout the entire movie. And it ties into what he is trying to accomplish in this movie. Um, so that to me is one of the signs. He's also one of the horniest characters I've I've ever, this, this it's not repressed. There's no repressed sexuality with him. He is sexually frustrated to the nines. Mm -hmm. That is all he seems to talk about. and, faith you and i are be with some butthead fans who talks who talks about it <laughs> you know there's basically be with some butthead <laughs> and then the penguin in this movie did did you catch the the repress it, it's oh, not yeah. like i said i keep wanting to say repress It's not repressed. the <laughs> the sexual frustration of the penguin because a lot of people say oh it's gratuitous i didn't think it was gratuitous mm-hmm. i thought it was in line with who this guy mm-hmm. would be because he's not very attractive i can't imagine right. him having many experiences if any <laughs> if any I mean, he is a he's a complete horn dog. Um, but Selena Kyle, there was a scene too with Selena Kyle where it was pretty obvious that they were going, you know, the childhood. Did you catch? Did you catch that? Which part? It was when she uh, she had been resurrected when zombie Selena shows mm-hmm. back up at her house and she takes the stuffed animals and just
0: yes.
1: throws them down the sink. Sa- I mean, mm-hmm. murders the stuffed animals down yes. the sink. But then. But then she does something, too, that I thought was really interesting. She takes that black spray paint. With the dollhouse? The dollhouse. And there was another one, too, that shirt that she has hanging up. Ever since I was a kid, I've noticed that shirt. There's a pink shirt with cats on it. And it just looks like something that a 13-year-old girl would Mm -hmm. wear. And so, I mean, there it is kind of physically represented on the screen. But then also you have her mother calling her. You have you know just you get the idea that this this woman trying to be a woman there's a little girl Mm -hmm. in there there. trapped in there um like i said then you've got the penguin with the with the rubber duck and and just the the absolute just you know you know like he came out of a porky's movie or something (laughs) um i'm trying to think batman bruce wayne was there anything anything that that's That struck you, I I can't recall anything off of the top of my head, outside of, you know that his parents died. You know that he's still kind of, I think, stuck.
2: And you know, I read, I think this is the only movie where they don't really reference that. This is like the one Batman movie where they don't have to make a reference about his parents dying.
1: Right. Um, But you still feel it.
2: Oh, you still feel it.
1: I I think it's a really great. That's
2: what I'm you don't, they don't even have to mention it. No, it's, you don't. You, you don't have, have to,
1: because the genius of this movie um, is that these characters show what he would become if he was pushed a little to the left mm-hmm. or a little to the right. Does he think of himself as a monster? He could become that monster, mm. you know. And they make the point that Oswald comes from money, Bruce Wayne comes from money, you know, and. Max Shrek says you two could have been boarding school buddies. Mm-hmm. You know, and the penguin says, "You know, uh, you're just upset that you have to wear a mask." I'm the I'm the genuine article of a freak. Uh, there's the uh, vigilante side of Selena where she takes it too far, and, and he could easily take it far. And uh, so you're seeing him reflected in these characters, and talking about the the fractured childhood aspect of this, and that brings us to our to our fourth lead max schreck mm-hmm. played by go ahead and say his name christopher walken christopher walken i think everybody everybody loves christopher walken that was a very poor christopher walken what was that? i don't know what that was <laughs> the man who who does not uh adhere to uh, uh agreed upon punctuation you know he <laughs> I, I have read that he takes a script and just removes all the punctuation i'm not being funny like really? yeah yeah and so it gives him a certain rhythm um Okay. There you go. There it was. <laughs> um, so he's uh, he's the other uh, character. He was created for this movie. Now, what what strikes you about Max? Max the, Max is something in this movie. He's a yeah, he's a businessman. Uh, he's wealthy, just like Bruce Wayne. He's mm-hmm. the reflection of Bruce Wayne, but he's also something else in this movie. Uh, he has a son. He's a father. Yeah, he he's a father figure in this movie to all of them. To to all of them. But one of the things that I noticed this go around is I think it's three times in particular in the movie they refer to him uh, as a certain character. And would you like to say what character that is? Santa Claus. They refer to him as Santa Claus at the beginning of the movie, once in the middle of the movie, and at the end of the movie and who loves santa claus faith
2: children of course well
1: the correct answer was me i love santa claus but children do love santa claus so there's this father figure santa claus they're making this analogy the santa claus and there's max Schreck. Mm -hmm. the other uh point i would like to make how i kind of come to the conclusion that this is a movie about children teenagers too i mean teenagers i think they're perpetually stuck in their teen years is that this movie was written by daniel waters who wrote heathers which is one of the great teen movies of all time and also uh, it does can fall under the horror uh Mm -hmm. uh, genre 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 that's the word i was looking for people we were in the sun we were in the sun at a baseball game and I don't know when the last if you like baseball, you know, you should go to a game. If you don't like baseball, you should get in the baseball. It's a great, great sport. Um, So let's see. Do you think this movie is better for taking the time to establish these other characters? Because it really does take its time in the first 30 minutes with Penguin, with the Penguin, the cat and whatever Max Shrek is.
2: Yeah, I think so. For sure. I like that it takes its time kind of introducing us and kind of see where we're going to go throughout this movie
1: i do too uh which brings me back around to to uh one of the first things i asked is where is batman at the beginning of this movie and do you have any thoughts on that besides isolated
2: that's what i was thinking (laughs) yeah it's it's,
1: this is why i'm here i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna lay down some things here and tell me what you think of this Uh, Batman, as we said, he is very influenced by the literary character of Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. And Sherlock Holmes, when he has nothing to do, gets a little bored. Mm -hmm. And he likes his 7% solution. Do you know what that is? What? That's a 7% solution of cocaine. (laughs) That's right. Sherlock Holmes (laughs) likes his cocaine. Uh, But compare Batman, the Gotham City at the beginning of Batman 89 with Batman Returns. They are completely different places. People are out. They're happy. They're shopping. He's taking care of the big crime problem. He has nothing to do. And what do you see him doing the first time that we see him in this movie? He, when he's uh, sitting in his study, mm-hmm. just by himself, brooding. And is that's one of my favorite shots in the entire mm-hmm. movie, him just sitting in the dark. I know. Sitting in the dark. And one of the other knocks on this movie is that it is not as influenced by the comic books as it could be. Well, I respectfully disagree. And if you go online, there's a uh, Batman Online, I believe is the name of the site. And they actually have the comic influence uh, on Batman Returns from old Batman comics. And if you know what was going on in the comics in the 90s, they, they didn't feel this fantastical. But this kind of feeling was there this kind of they were trying to get to this deeper root of the character and that was there uh but one of the first shots of batman from 1939 bruce wayne is just sitting in his study he's just sitting there a lot like michael keaton is doing in 1992 the other thing that i like about that shot and you said isolation as a character in this film is he's sitting there isolated and the signal goes up and the series of signals around his house go on and shines right into the study where mm-hmm. he's sitting and he stands up. I've seen this movie at least 30 times throughout my life. This never occurred to me until watching it for the show that I went, well, wait, what if he has someone over? Wouldn't why <laughs> wouldn't they know that he's Batman and then they hit me? He doesn't have anyone over, right? <laughs> he has no one in his life. Exactly. This is this character. This is all he has this is this this thing that he's created is all he has. so I think he is very isolated at the beginning of this movie. Do you think he changes throughout this film?
2: I could, yeah, I think so a little bit in a way
1: do you would you like to venture an idea as to how he changes, or possibly why he changes.
2: I feel like Selena kind of possibly changes him. Would you agree with that? Or?
1: I I think it is completely Selena Kyle. Yeah. I think the character of Selena is just thrown off enough um, to let Bruce Wayne see that he's not quite he, alone right, in he this can be world.
2: Himself more, I guess.
1: He can be Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. because one of the geniuses to me of Michael Keaton's performance, I've heard him say this, not that he's a genius. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think Keaton would say he's a genius. I think he is, uh, is that he knew Bruce Wayne was the end to this character, which then brings up the question. Well, what's, what's the uh, costume? I think the costume is Bruce Wayne. I think he's Batman all the time. Mm -hmm. I think he's Batman. I think at the end of this movie, he doesn't, he's bringing those two pieces together. I think, the character of Batman and the character of Bruce Wayne find some peace in this movie. I think they learn how to coexist. And he does say at, in the, in the scene at the fire that he's had trouble, you know, reconciling them. I think he reconciles them here. I think That's he, <laughs> I think that he, I think that he finds some bit of peace among all this depression. I think that he's not alone in this world as great as Alfred is, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's not alone. He's not, in this he's
2: world. not- the same as <laughs> they're not very sort of looking for. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The sun took all my words,
1: they're not as different, the, the two of them, yeah. They're the flip of the same coin as you said at the end of the movie. But I think the most, uh, there's two important things that he does in this movie. Uh, one of them I'm going to talk a little bit about when we get to the penguin because to me, that is the key to understanding what he does in this movie. Uh, why I think the change. Happens, And I'll, I'll go ahead and say it, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it. He saves the children in this movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He saves children. Yep. He sure. saves them from... A, uh, now, Penguin was going to try and kill these kids, but you could say that Bruce Wayne died in that alley and Batman was born the day that his parents died. Uh, he saves these kids. I think that moment in this film i think this movie works on so many subtle layers it 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 the, yeah. the more you watch it the better it gets um i think that starts to restore a little bit of bruce wayne i think that is the outward expression of him kind of reconciling right. his childhood i'm not saying he's happy with it all i'm saying is i think like he's making some peace, peace. with it mm-hmm. and then at the end of that movie, the other important thing that he does in this movie is he takes off his mask. And he's the only one to take off the mask because I know hers just kind of comes off. But it's because right. her psyche is tearing. We're, we're going to get into her costume in a bit. and um, But anyway, um, I I think he changes throughout the movie. I think he's the character that really changes, too. And mm-hmm. that's why I think this movie is his movie. So even when he is not on screen, he's he is the star Mm -hmm. of this movie. Um, And you've already said it. My next question was if he did change and you think he changes. Oh yeah. And I think it's very subtle Mm -hmm. and I think it's beautiful. And you you think it's Selena Kyle. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think it's Selena Kyle too, but we are going to talk a little bit more about her when we get back from Reddit. Hey, look who's back. It's our old friend.
2: It's Bobby.
1: Hey you guys, how you doing? Bobby, we are just talking about Batman Returns. What do you think about that movie?
3: Is that that one with Michelle Pfeiffer where she's wearing that cat suit? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember. I was watching that movie. I was like 13 years old when it came out. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. You think? Do you know what happened to me when I was watching that movie in the theater and she came out in that cat suit for the first time? Oh, what?
1: I think you know what happened. <laughs>
3: I think I do, Bobby.
1: I, th- I think we know what happened. Has uh, has anything else bad happened
3: to you since? Oh, I mean, you know, I got a general feeling of malaise. You know, I mean, like the other shoes gonna drop because I mean, I've been cursed. You know, I tried to talk to this girl and like I couldn't find the words. You know, I was in the other studio. I was calling her. You know, and like none was coming out. Like I'm telling you guys, I dropped the weight on my foot. You know, my hair's starting to fall out. My hair's going gray. I can't talk to girls no more. I mean, Faith, what do you think is wrong with me?
2: I don't know. I mean, weren't you cursed?
3: <laughs> Ever since birth, baby. Anyway, uh, I didn't mean to walk in. I thought, I thought you guys was done. But uh, listen, I'll be back in a little while. Check in how you doing doing. Uh, I got some things to say about Michelle at
1: soon If you know what I mean. Yeah, Bobby, we definitely oh. know what you mean. Uh... Well, I am Dan. And I am Faith. And you are listening to The Late Night Fright on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in the States. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the other side.
0: Hells Angel, ordained minister, and owner of Holy Smoke, Cozy Corner's premier Christian vape shop. Join me every Sunday at 7 a.m. right here on health as we discuss the latest in vape juices and salvation. Tell them what we've got this week, Shasta. That's my wife.
2: We got beef and cheese flavored vape
0: juice. Beef and cheese flavored vape juice? That's disgusting. What happened to the Bible verse? You are not need Jesus after you vape that. That's disgusting. What was that like from a gas station?
1: Every Sunday at 7 a.m. Only on WKMF. Cozy Corner, Public Radio.
0: Baby, we really got to talk about how this store is being run. Peace be with you. Amen.